Marsha, I start. I know you do. Yeah, okay. Just picking up my sheet. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, in a beautiful day it is. This fair week here in um, Altamont, I want to welcome all of you to the Altamont First United Methodist Church. I am Reverend Paige Campbell, your pastor. For those of you who are watching at home, we are so glad that you are with us. Please let us know that you're with us by liking or commenting on whichever platform you're watching from. And those of you that are here, you'll be having an opportunity to sign in as well. Um, and I'm also going to be passing clipboards for liturgist and food pantry. I forgot to do that last week. Bad pastor page. But that's because I was excited to worship. Are you excited to worship this morning? Are you excited to engage with God this morning? I hope so. I hope that you're ready. I hope that you're ready to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and see what God has to say to you today. So um, I did not insert a prelude. This is our first Sunday without Olivia, and I just now realized I forgot to insert music for a prelude. So we'll have a silent welcoming of the light into the room as you prepare your hearts for worship. Join with me in the call to worship. We have come together as one. One people gathered in the name of the one God. We will worship together as one. One community giving praise and honor to the righteous one. We are being empowered as one by one. One body and one spirit called to the hope of one calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Now in the name of the three in one, we act as one. One people giving witness to the power of one. Okay, now let's turn please to the hymn, All Praise to Our Redeeming Lord. And that's 554 in your hymnals.
Okay, join with me, please, in the opening prayer. God of forgiveness and new beginnings, we feed your hearts with compassion and nourish our souls with the bread of heaven. As Jesus fed the hungry crowds, knowing that they needed both physical bread and the bread of heaven, fill us in this hour with your generous spirit and make us one with Christ. Amen. I invite the children that are at home around their screens or televisions or whatever you're watching on and those of us who are young at heart here uh, to give me your attention for a few moments of personal, uh, no, not a few moments of personal prayer time. We're not there yet. Oh, it's a rough morning for Pastor Paige. <laughs> How about some children's time, amen? Yeah. Amen. Okay. I want to ask you all a question. What makes a good friend? Jaden, what makes a good friend? Honesty and loyalty. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't have said it better if I tried. Honesty and loyalty. So a good friend is someone who tells you the truth all the time nicely hopefully but tells you the truth they keep their word and they stick by you in the hard times and in the easy times so they stick by you even if someone else has decided that they're gonna make fun of you your friend doesn't do that if a bunch of kids you know um, want to do something without you your friend is going to stick by you and, and be with you. Do I kind of have it right, Jaden? Yeah? Mm -hmm. So they're honest and they're loyal. Now, I want to tell you about the best friend that you can have, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the best friend that you can have because, like I said, you can't say it better. Honest, loyal, and I want to add loving to that. Jesus, as our friend, loves us no matter what we do. And our friends should do that too, even when we do stupid things. Jesus loves us. And even if we do stupid things, our friends should love us too. But be honest with us and tell us if we did something stupid. And Jesus does that too. When we make mistakes, Jesus is there in our hearts to tell us that what we did was wrong and that we need to be forgiven for that. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to do better next time. And that's what a good friend does for us too. They help us to become better. And that's what Jesus does. Sometimes friends can be very frustrating because we're all not perfect. And sometimes we are not perfect friends. Sometimes we fail as friends, but Jesus will never fail you as a friend. Never, ever. He came into this world to love you. He came into this world to teach you how to live. He came into this world to save you from your sins, from the mistakes of your life. And he came into this world so that you can know God and you can have a new life and a life forever and ever and so that is the best friend we could possibly have can we pray together 
Lord, we thank you for our best friend, for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for all that he shows us in how to be a friend, how he loves us, how he's honest, and how he is true and loyal to us. Lord, help us to be that type of friend to others. Help us to be kind and loving and loyal to the people around us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus' example in our lives. Amen. We worship with song, with words of praise, and we also worship with our giving. So I invite our ushers to come forward and collect our morning tithes and offerings. And yet again, I'm Olivia List today, and I did not adjust. So I'm going to suggest that while we are collecting the um, offering, that together we sing Jesus Loves Me. I figure most of you know that one. So let us uh, give our gift. and sing it like you mean it, understanding that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. seated. As we come to our time of joys and concerns and our time of prayer, we ask for prayers for the family of Candy Stemke, who passed away yesterday. We also ask for prayers for the family of Shirley Muko, who passed away. We want to be in prayer for Marilyn Yakel, who is in the hospital. We ask for continued prayers um, for Mark Locke, 
And um, for others that we know who are on our prayer list, I know we know others who are in need of prayer. Um, and so I invite you now into a few moments. What? Oh, the family of, what's her dad's name? Chris, Chris Cox, uh, a Charleston family, family of Chris Cox. I invite you now into a few moments of personal prayer time. In the beauty of this day, Lord, we come to you with humble hearts because we look at all of the world that you have created, Lord, and we just think how marvelous you are, God, how wondrous you are, how awesome you are. And we come to you, God, knowing that we are our people who have lived our lives perhaps the best we could this week, but knowing that we could always have done better. We come to you this morning with thanksgiving and praise, and Lord, we come to you this morning with cares and concerns upon our hearts. So Lord, we pray for all of those we know who need to be healed, God. And we pray, Lord, for your healing in their lives. Lord, we pray for those who mourn. And Lord, we pray that your comfort and your peace will be felt. God, we pray for those who are lost, lost in spirit, lost their way, Lord, we pray that they will see the guidance that you are providing in their lives and that they will follow it. Lord, give them a huge poke on the shoulder or whatever it is that they need. Lord, we pray for our world that is full of so much injustice and so much need. We pray for the hungry. We pray for the displaced. We pray for those areas in the world where there is violence, where there is natural disaster. We pray for those parts of the world, Lord, where your word has not been heard. And we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will break through in all of those spaces so that your will will be done. We pray for our country the same way, Lord, we pray that as a nation, we will seek you and seek your guidance, that all of our leaders, from the president and the federal government down, that they will look to you, that they will be faithful followers of Christ, and that they will hear your call and your will as they make decisions for our country that affect us and the world. Lord, we pray for our church. We pray for the church universal 
and those missionaries that this very day are seeking to share you with folks who have never heard of you before. We pray for our United Methodist Church. We pray for our Bishop, Frank Beard, as he continues to recover from his eye surgery. Lord, we pray for the churches in our community, God, who are working to make you known here in Altamont. And Lord, I pray that all of us, all of us, seek your Holy Spirit in all that we do so that we can be the best church, the best message of Christ to the world. Lord, especially here in town this week, we pray for the fair, all who are participating, all that are coming, and we pray that they will be safe and the time together will be enjoyable. And we pray for that in the midst of knowing that COVID again is running rampant, Lord, and we pray for everyone's safety and health and for those whom we know are fighting COVID at this very moment. Lord, we pray all of this and so much more. And now we join our voices together to pray to you saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. <clears throat> one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. 
When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were those that would be apostles, some would be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for work in the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. May God add a blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the understanding of the scripture this morning. There is so much in this text that we have from Ephesians. We are reading through the book of Ephesians um, this summer, and the first three chapters are kind of like part one, and then the next three chapters are sort of part two of the book of Ephesians. And so part one the first three chapters are very theological, and they talk about why we believe in God and how God loves us so much and what Christ did for us, and they, they give us that. And now, part two, if you will, is more like the practical. Now that we know, now that we are reminded of how much God loves us and how we are called by Christ, then how is it that we live? How do we live for God, for the church? And so we're actually going to spend a couple weeks even just on this, this chapter alone because it is so full of so much. I want to reread this first part for you again. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. You know how many Christians there were that were imprisoned for their faith? I mean, Paul is just one. There were multitudes of Christians who willingly suffered for their faith, who gave up everything to continue to claim the name of Jesus. They could have done something different. They could have said, no, I don't believe in Jesus. No, I don't believe that he is the Messiah. But instead... They, they knew the message and they stood by their Savior. Kind of in a way, they were a good friend to Jesus, even though it cost them so much. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all 
and through all and in all. Now, in the very first verse, when it talks about, I um, beg you to leave a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Sometimes when we think of the word worthy, we think that it means deserve. So, so lead a life um, that is deserved of the calling to which you've been called. And yes, that does apply. I mean, you know, we have been given so much, so we should live a life that reflects that as well. But the term in the Greek there is actually the Greek word axios, which is an economically based term that describes two sides of a scale that are in equilibrium. So the appeal here is for Christians to live in balance, in equilibrium with God's call. Christians live out who God has made them to be. Christians conduct not only con Christians' conduct, how we live, flows out in our new reality. And we put ourselves out there in a way that shows, that balances our faith. And we put into practice and action all of our beliefs in a concrete and visible way. Lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness. With patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Does that sound like America these days? Does that even sound like the church these days? I don't think so. I think we have fallen short in this area, both as just individual people, but also as a church. And I'm not just talking about Altamont First United Methodist Church. I'm not just talking about the United Methodist Church. I'm talking about the church universal. I mean, let's be honest. How many, you know, Baptist jokes do you know or Catholic jokes that you know? You know, I mean, we, we divide ourselves up on Sunday mornings. Yes. I get it. Not everybody's going to want to worship the same way I do because not everybody interacts with God or, or, you know, knows God the same way I do. So maybe the way that I worship isn't going to speak to somebody else. I get it. A lot of our divisions were made because of very human things. Because we squabbled over how exactly we do something such as communion or baptism. We squabble over things of less importance, like what color is the carpet? And I use that example multiple times because it's an honest example. It's happened before I know the churches. We do not do a good job of this. A life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. That love that Christ has for us. That love for Christ that Christ has for us. That when we do something stupid, Christ still loves us. When we make a mistake, God still loves us. Bear 
bearing, and yes, sometimes it's bearing. Bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Way too often as the church, we talk about the purity of the church depending upon how we divide out all of those who look, talk, think, and act different from ourselves so only us is left. Our unity becomes those that are exactly like us instead of a unity that includes those who are different. But we forget that differences do not always mean division. And the spirit-given differences within the church aren't a problem, but are God's gift so that together we can learn how to speak the truth in love. As commentator Peter, uh, Brian Peterson says, that particular instruction to speak the truth in love sometimes becomes an excuse for abusive speech used to push down others and to gain power for ourselves all under the self-justifying banner of truth-teller. It's kind of like how in the South there is this phrase called, bless your heart, bless your heart. And when the phrase bless your heart is used, it is not used to mean like, oh, may God bless you and be good to you. It's more like, oh, you poor thing, don't you realize how idiotic it is what you are doing? or how you're acting, it's not a blessing at all. That is not speaking the truth in love. That is not making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit. That is not bearing with one another in love. It can be very hard to do all of that. I'll be very honest with you, I intended to preach a different sermon this morning. But then I had an experience this weekend, and I just felt compelled to share I was out of state this weekend for a funeral. A very good friend of mine, I'm gonna call her Anna, uh, lost her mother. Um, and so a mutual friend and I uh, went to the memorial service yesterday. Now I met Anna at a very difficult time in her life. Her parents were getting a divorce, she was a young adult. And she had found out that her mother had engaged in multiple infidelities, multiple over years, infidelities, and that her father had fallen in love with her mother's best friend and was now having an affair with her. It sounds like it's a TV show or a soap opera, but this was real life. And this was Anna's life and the life of her family. You can't make this stuff up. And so, Anna already had a very stressed relationship with her mother, and it just kind of put Anna over the edge. And this was, I don't want to do the math, 25 years ago. And after the divorce, Anna's mother continued to make a series of very poor choices for how she lived her life, who she lived her life with, how she took care of herself, how she took care of her, her, her everything. And Anna came to recognize that her mom was a liar, like a compulsive liar, and that she was manipulative. 
I mean, this is one of the things. Um, Anna's mother would tell people in her apartment complex that her husband left her for her best friend, kind of leaving off everything else that went along with it. Anna's mother told everyone that she was a, a Navy veteran, which she was because she went to basic training. After two weeks, she couldn't complete the physical part of basic training, and she was honorably discharged. But she claimed very proudly how she was a Navy veteran, making it seem as if she had been on ship or something like that. It came to a point that Anna recognized that um, she needed to disengage from her mother. And I wasn't, I'm not saying all of this to diss her mother. Um, I'm saying all this because this was all so incredibly painful for Anna. I mean, she couldn't trust her mom, and when she was around her mom, there was just so much manipulation, she recognized that she just couldn't engage with her anymore. And so she disengaged her family um, for her own sake, for her, her mental health, and for that of her family. And Anna hadn't spoken to her mother for over a year. She'd heard about her mom through her sister, who I'll call Katie, but she hadn't talked to her mom. So when her mother died very suddenly, Anna was thrust back into her mother's world. And Anna was not happy about this. And she especially wasn't happy because she had to come in then and help clean up her mother's world, literally. Her mother lived in a um, studio apartment and her mom had become a hoarder. And it took them five days with at least four people a day to clean out that apartment. And to go through all of her mom's stuff and see what she had saved and what she had. And it was painful and hurtful. And Anna was just like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I hate her. That's what she said. I hate her. I hate how she wasted her life. I hate how she had so much potential and she didn't use it. Anna's sister Katie really wanted to have a memorial service and Anna did not want to have anything to do with it. Nothing to do with it. But she knew that if she didn't go, she would never hear the end of it from her sister. And so her sister planned the whole service. And so that's what me and my friend went down to, to be there with her for that. And so Katie had planned the service and at each moment as she talked about her mother, and she talked about how her mother was so funny and how her mother was such a good friend of folks and, and how she helped to care for her nieces and her nephews and how much she loved her grandchildren and, and these you know, wonderful gifts that she had given people. And then other people would get up and they would talk about how great, how much they loved this woman and and. As Anna's friends, we were all just sitting around watching Anna because we're like, how is she going to react to all of this? Because this was not her experience of her mom. Her sister Katie would got to the point where she talked about um, her mom as mother and how she had helped to raise the kids, but she kind of kept it short. But then all of a sudden, Anna said, um, Katie, can I say something? And we were all just like, whoa. What is she going to say? Because even as we were listening to, as we were listening to Katie talk about her mom, the people in Anna's camp were just kind of like working through the things that she was saying and kind of making fun in our heads. I'll be honest about, 
you know, oh, she was r really friendly. Oh, she was really friendly. And, and then Anna got up, and we all were just like, Ugh, what is she going to say? What is she going to say? But then Anna got up. She thanked people for being there. She said she was so glad that her mother had been a light in so many people's lives. Her mother wasn't a good housekeeper. And that's when all of us were like, oh no, what is she going to say? What is she going to say? Neither are my sister and I. And she just expressed thanks for how her mother had filled other people's lives. And that was a God moment right there. A God moment. She was moved by the Holy Spirit to get up. And let me tell you, Anna is not recognizing the Holy Spirit right now. She and God are not on good terms. But that was a Holy Spirit moment. And then I read this scripture. I said, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. I read those words and I was like, that's what Anna did today. And she didn't even know it. She didn't know it, but she reached out to her sister. She created a balm for all those who were there. And she created a balm for herself, and she didn't even realize it. That she began for herself a healing, I pray, that maybe she wasn't ready for until now. She did that in that space. And like I said, she and God aren't on good terms right now. God's knocking on her door all the time. She's just not answering. And here we are, the church. We are listening to God. We are in the midst of lives where we get angry at folks, where we disagree with folks, where we question where we are going to be in the future and where we are now. But we are called as followers of the God who loves us as disciples of Jesus who died for us, we are called to love one another and to live this way in a way that is visible to the rest of the world, a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. Yesterday, I experienced my friend do that for her family, even though she didn't know she was doing it. How can we do this then for our family, our church, our community? How can we be a visible symbol, sign, living out of all those things? It's how we interact with one another, it's how we love one another. Taking that love that God has given us and truly, truly being the church. The scripture continues, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. That's a whole other sermon right there. We'll probably get to that next week. The Holy Spirit 
moved in a mighty way I experienced this weekend. And if you allow the Spirit to move in your life too, you too can live up to this calling. You too can have humility and gentleness. It's a choice. You can have patience. It's a choice. Bearing with one another in love. It's a choice. It's a choice that we must make because God chose us. Will you pray with me? Oh, loving God, help us, Lord Jesus, to love one another, to be patient with one another. Lord, to do all those things that it says there in that scripture. Lord, help us to put aside things like our pride, our anger. Help us to put aside our assumptions. Lord, help us to love patiently, to love with humility, and to love with our whole hearts unconditionally, just as you do for us. Lord, I don't think that we can truly understand how difficult it must be for you to love us sometimes based on how difficult it is for us to love each other. So help us to do better. Oh, Lord, don't just help us to do better. Can you make us do better? Can you impel us to do better? Can we just say, yes, we will do better. We will, with humility and gentleness, with patience and with love, find and maintain the unity of the spirit that you have given us and do it all in the bond of peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we talk about unity, then we remember the unity that we experience when we share Christ's, Christ's love and Christ's last meal for us. He took a symbol that everyone was familiar with, this symbol of bread. And he says, we are this. We are one body. We are one loaf because this is my body. And I've given it to you. Remember, you're a part of this. And remember that I allowed it. He allowed it for us to be broken. But he said, take and eat and remember and do this in remembrance of me. And he took something else, common, regular, normal, a cup. And he said, this is my blood. Remember it, take it, recognize that you sin, but through my blood, through my sacrifice, you are forgiven. You are made one. You are made one with God, and you are made one with each other. This is Christ's blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. So let us pray. 
God, as you tell us that we are one and we seek to be one, we come together as one to share in one loaf and one cup, remembering Christ's body and blood given, broken, poured out for us. We ask you, Lord, to pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Lord, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we all feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. I invite Marsha to come up to help me serve. Uh, the ushers will be bringing you forward to the rail. Um, we invite you to kneel if you are able, and then you will receive the bread, which you will take, and then you will receive the cup, which you can drink, and then leave here in the communion uh, railing here. Um, so, and if anybody would like to lead us in singing, you are welcome to do that. But otherwise, come forward, eat, drink, and give thanks. So I'm going to, the body of Christ. Go in peace and in knowledge of your forgiveness and your new life. Amen.
the bread of Christ, the bread of life, the blood of Christ, the cup of forgiveness. Go in peace. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this holy mystery that you have given us, this holy meal that nourishes not only our bodies but our spirits and is another reminder of your love for us. Amen. In our news to share, I want to let you know that we will be starting Adult Sunday School next Sunday in the Fellowship Hall after the cookie and coffee hour, which we also should have today. Um, I hope you all were able to get a hold of the liturgist sign up and the food pantry sign up. And if not, where are those located right now? Over there? All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, there is a staff parish relations committee meeting on Monday night. That will be tomorrow at 6. And if you have nothing else to do at noon today, uh, Maggie and Simon Shepherd are showing cattle at the fair. So if you'd like to go out and support them and see what they're doing, I know that they would appreciate it. With that being said, let us close our worship together by singing, They Will Know We Are Christians by our love. So let us stand and sing. breath. Sorry about that. I had Olivia play it for us, and I didn't try to sing along when we recorded, and 
Well, that was upbeat and spirited, yes? Because we should be upbeat and spirited as we share Christ's love, yes? All right, so go out with enthusiasm, with, with love, go out in peace, amen. And as a note, my family and I are, have to leave because we have to go to Effingham Centenary for something this morning. So. The First United Methodist Church is a church of open hearts, open minds, and open doors, seeking to help everyone come to know Jesus Christ, both in Altamont and around the world. Our worship services are at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and all are welcome in person after the COVID crisis, but now online at our YouTube channel, Altamont First UMC. You can also find the link on Facebook at our Facebook page, First United Methodist Church Altamont. We will begin worship shortly.